we do want to uh, to welcome you to our service this morning. It will be a little bit different uh, service. We are combining some things to uh, today. We've learned this week to say the phrase, "If the Lord wills." After pretty much everything we do, don't we? Um, it's really amazing how uh, how just the past few days have just worked out or haven't worked out, but they're to God's plans, and, and uh, he is to be honored and glorified. As Christians, we take on God's value system, don't we? When we come into the family, what's important to God is important to us. What God honors, we want to honor. Who God honors, we want to honor. And today we, uh, we want to honor our pastor, Don Flager, and his wife, Anita Flager, and we are so uh, blessed to be able to do this today. Um, we, we want to honor them because God has honored them. One of the requirements of a faithful steward or a servant of God is that they've been, they've been found faithful. Forty years of ministry is faithful. That's faithful. And the Lord has put his blessing on that. Forty years of ministry, and we want to do the same Today, we want to give some honor to to Don and Anita Flager for their ministry. But we recognize, and, and, and Pastor will be the first one to tell you, it's not me. Don't honor me, but it's just the God that I serve. It's the God that he serves that has energized him. It's the God that they serve that has given them the strength, the fortitude, the ability to, uh, to stand and to minister for 40 years. And so really we are exalting our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is building His church and who is using servants like Pastor and Anita to, to do that. So we're really honoring the Lord today. We, we want to um, use a portion of our service today in, in doing that, just honoring what the Lord has done with Pastor and Anita. One of the ways that we're going to do that I've asked uh, their three daughters, um, Diana, Delisa, and Danita, and I think most of you probably know who they are, and I've asked the three of them to, to put together a little PowerPoint, just some pictures and things to kind of give you uh, a little history there. But I don't, know, I don't know why, but Donita is the one that's going to be doing this. So uh, the, he, she said it's by default. She, she's the one put in charge of this. So at this time, we're going to have Danita come and just share some slides with us uh, a little bit about the history. My father and mother were born and raised in a small town in southern Ohio. My father was born to Roy and Dorothy Flegger in June of 1943. He has one older sister named Betty. My mother was born to Glenn and Edith Powell in September of 1943. She has one older sister, Karen, and two younger sisters, Sandy and Cheryl, and a younger brother named Kenneth. My mom and dad originally met at Mount Carmel Church, and then they attended elementary, junior high, and high school together in Memphis, and then they went on to Ohio University and both majored in education. In August of 1964, they were married, and Mom and Dad settled into married life there in Memphis. My mom, she taught school, and my father started to teach school 
And then he went into the steel business for Detroit Steel. In September of 1965, my sister Diana was born. And then four years later, in March of 1969, my sister Delisa was born. And then three years later, I followed in 1972. Even though my, fa- my father had been raised in a Christian home, he had never made the commitment to follow Christ. During the illness of his father, my father realized his need for Christ and became a follower. God started to work in my parents' heart to go into the ministry. So in August of 1972, our family moved to Appalachian Bible Institute for my father to receive Bible training. In October of that year, Dad came to Daniel's Bible Church as part of his Christian service requirement for ABI. During that time, the church's pastor was moving on to another ministry, and Dad was asked to fill in until the church could find a pastor. In 1974, the church built the auditorium that we now worship in, and then a year later, my dad graduated from ABI and received his degree and was ordained. In 1980, the church decided to start Daniel's Bible Church Academy. And as the years went on, our family added members. In 1988, Diana married Ken, and three years later, Phil joined our family, marrying Delisa. Within the next seven years, we had seven grandchildren were born. First Daniel, then Samantha, Josiah, Robert, Maria, Christina, and Michaela. And then in 2005, we received the the first of our five special gifts from other countries. We have Johanna from China in 2005. And then three years later, we received three more from Ethiopia, David, Sammy, and Carissa. Then finally in 2010, the grandchildren were finally complete with our special Callie, also from Ethiopia. I asked each one of the grandchildren to write something for Mama and Papa, as they call them. And so I will share with you some of the things that their memories and what they felt about Mama and Papa. Thank you for wrestling with us when you come to visit. And thank you for praying for us every week from the three smallest little girls, Johanna, Carissa, and Callie. Thanks for playing games with me when we get together. And thank you for watching all my magic tricks. I like knowing that you pray for me, and that was from Sammy. To some of the most amazing grandparents, Papa, you are always very encouraging, and I love always knowing that I can ask you to pray for me. Mama, I love playing games with you, and I love also just sitting down and talking with you. I love you both very much, and that was Michaela. Papa, thanks for all the trips in the snow, books, conversations, advice, copy, and most of all, setting a great example for what it means to pursue the Lord. I will never forget the sound of the coffee maker grinding the coffee every morning as you got up to study God's word. Mama, thanks for all the cowboy movies, crocheting lessons, canasta games, conversations, advice, and just the love you show me every time I come to visit. It is truly such a blessing to have you guys as my grandparents, and I just can't wait to see you again. And that was from Josiah. Hey, Mama and Papa, as this would be from David. Thank you for being the greatest grandparents ever and teaching me how to play golf and canasta. 
Mama and Papa, thank you for all the love and joy you have been put into my life over the last 20 years. You all have been amazing grandparents, and I love you guys. Thanks goodness we finally grew up so you don't have to worry about us destroying your house and everything in it. Dear Mama and Papa, that was written by Daniel. I can't imagine my life without you all. I am so blessed to have grandparents who really love the Lord. It has been amazing to watch the, world, the Lord work in and through your lives. Thank you for all the talks we've had, the advice you have given, the games we have played, the support you gave, and, of course, the M&Ms and coffee. I love you all so much. And that was from Samantha. Thank you for your wonderful grandparents for always being there for me no matter what. And special thanks to my papa for helping me with my math when I was little by giving me the answers. And she said it only happened once, and that was Christina. (laughs) Thank you for being a great example for all of us and for doing what you always think is right. Mama, thank you for teaching me important things like old cowboy shows and takeouts. But I really thank you for always supporting whatever I chose to do, and that is our Maria. I thank you so much for the wisdom that you have given me in my life. Thank you for the example that you have been for me and everyone else that has met you. 1 Corinthians 11.1 says, Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. I I think we can all see the light of Christ in you and what you do for those around you. I love you, Robert. As Robert said, be imitators of Christ. My father has made this his goal's life. Even though God did not call my father to the mission field, he has allowed my parents to be a part of mission work. My father started with going on a mission trip in 1979 to Barbados, and then a year later he took my mom with him. My father started working with... Um, God allowed Dad to be a part of ministry with West Ministries as a board member and then to be an area director of European countries for BMW. My parents have visited many countries and have been part of many different ministries. My father and mother have not only had a ministry abroad, but here at home. They've enjoyed being a part of the ministry here at DBC with leadership training, the Friday morning coffee time, prison ministry, the annual campouts, and numerous work parties. They have enjoyed visiting our church's missionaries and being part of people's lives. My parents have a plaque in their kitchen that was given to them when they left Ohio that said, The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. Forty years ago, God led my parents to West Virginia to leave their jobs their family, and everything familiar that they knew and start on an adventure. God has been faithful to our family on this adventure, and my father has taught me and my sister many different things. He taught us, like, math, science, oil changes, how to mow straight lines when you mow the grass, how to play baseball, of course, shoot a basketball, and cut wood. Even though he never let us run the saw, the greatest lesson he taught us was you can say you are a follower of Christ, but if you cannot back it up with your walk, then it's not true. And everything my father did, Christ was foremost. He taught us whether it is sports or academics, do it 
to the best of your ability and honor God by your actions. God is part of my dad's whole life and not just a part. God has led them into a new phase of ministry. As they start this ministry, it is bittersweet, but very exciting for them. They, they are so excited to see God's work at hand on the mission field. They pray for you here at Daniel's as you go into a new era of Daniel's Bible Church. God will lead you all as he has led my parents. Thank you. It's a new phase of their life just to keep up with all those grandkids. You know, we can all stand up here and share how the Lord has used uh, Don Flager and Anita Flager in our lives. Um, I I could do that. Um, But we have to have some kind of order here (laughs) because we all can't stand up here and do this. What I like to do, though, is there's been 40 years of ministry. And I like to start basically the early 70s, start at the 70s and move four decades of testimonies. And we've uh, kind of chosen uh, a few people to be able to share from up here. But we want to also give you an opportunity. And so what we'd like to do is uh, we have a video camera that is going to be uh, in the back, and someone manning it, <laughs> in the back, and we would like for you to give a 15, 30-second greeting and uh, you know, a message to the pastor and Anita. Um, and so all of you have the opportunity to say something. They can pull that DVD out at any point, put that in, and, and watch this, that DVD. I think it's a great idea. I'd appreciate if you'd participate in that. So you all will have an opportunity to, to share. But right now... There's one man in the church that was here when Pastor Flager came as the pastor, and I'm going to have him come up, and then we're going to have just testimony after testimony of how the Lord has used Pastor Flager and uh, Anita in, uh, in our lives. So I'm going to start with uh, Dave Alderman. He, uh, he knows the history of everything. I think he remembers Noah. If I were, if I were. Come on up, Dave. It really is a privilege to have someone like Dave here. Uh, I've sat over many lunches where he's just told me many, much of the history uh, and the background here. So I'm going to let Dave have it, and then we'll have several other testimonies after that. Carl said something about starting in the 70s. Actually, I'd like to go back a little further and bring us up to the time that Donna and Anita came into the picture. Actually, Daniels, the church here, was born in 1888. And it was a part of the estate of the Lewis family, whose home place was just destroyed or taken down a few years ago, just across the highway and just above us. So the Lewis family gave the community of Daniels uh, a piece of property to place the building on. And in 1888, a building was built there. And then we move up to 1953. The 65-year-old coal camp structure was dismantled. And um, a 30-by-50 building was built. 
Um, it's still in existence, still being used today. You probably wouldn't recognize it because uh, three sides of it is included in, in this building. And um, it was the primary part of the heritage room was actually the building that was built at that time. In 1968, Daniels, it was still then, Daniels Community Church had its first full-time pastor. His name was William Green. Uh, Bill was a bivocational pastor working for the CNO Railroad. He was only here for a few months and, um, and then left, and we, we were without a pastor again. And um, Bill passed away a, a few years ago, but uh, part of his family still lives here in the area. Within a short time, though, a local IRS agent, who was also bivocational, uh, joined us as pastor, and his name is Bill Jenkins. Uh, Bill still lives here in the community, just up the road. Uh, he was uh, invited to come uh, to a banquet. Of, of course, uh, that didn't happen, so I'm not sure where he went. But anyway, during Bill's time here, and he was here for about three or four years, several things occurred. The church purchased the uh, uh, old Pittman property. As a matter of fact, this part of the building is sitting on that property uh, at the present time. It's, and during that time he was here, we built what we called the educational building, which today is now the teen center. And then, of course, this auditorium was built, along with offices and nurseries and so forth. Uh, that all occurred uh, in, uh, in 1974. But let me back up a couple of years. In August of 1972, by God's providence, a young man and his wife and three daughters rolled into our graveled parking lot. He caught my eye because he was driving a nearly new two-door hardtop Pontiac Grand Prix. Beautiful car. <laughs> I remember that. And um, uh, as they continued to uh, attend, it wasn't long till Pastor Jenkins uh, began to give uh, Don opportunities to speak. And then in just a few weeks, Pastor Jenkins accepted a call to plant a church over in Monroe County. And so uh, as he left, it conveniently left open the door for Don to speak more. And so soon he was asked to be the interim pastor until someone could be found. And then uh, in October of that same year, um, he was made the full-time pastor. By 1974, the little 30 by 50 building, two-level building, was filled to capacity, and uh, we needed uh, another building. That's when this structure was uh, put together. Now we're in debt, $133,000. We had a monthly payment of $1,000. We were really, really trusting the Lord. But, you know... Um, God provided, and uh, as far as I can recall, we never missed a payment nor was late uh, for a payment. Some of the others will pick up at this point, but I'd like to, uh, to just make a few personal comments now, and then I'll close. Um, Anita, uh, thank you for your music. Uh, thank you for allowing me to sing with you. And also, Anita introduced me, she may not remember this, to charcoal cheese sandwiches. We were visiting with them. They were in the, the little trailer over on the ABC campus. 
And um, it was an evening we had a service here, so there was a lot of rushing around, and she was going to serve us uh, uh, cheese sandwiches. And uh, she burnt them <laughs> to a crisp. Uh, but she never believed me. I like them that way. I really like that bird. <laughs> so that was uh, part of my introduction to uh, getting to know Anita. And to Don, Don has become my closest friend, and particularly since uh, I retired from industry a, a few years ago. And uh, uh, together, uh, we've raised our children. Uh, together, we have uh, grow, seen our children grow up and, and get married. Uh, together, we've buried our parents. Together, we have become grandparents. And we have wept together prayed together, and shared our hearts to each other many times. And we've seen the power of the gospel transform many lives in this 40 years. Kind of reminds me of an old hymn. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. His grace has brought us safe thus far, and his grace will take us home. After 40 years in the wilderness of the hills of southern West Virginia, I think about Joshua. God encouraged him, and he said, I will be with you, so be strong and courageous. To God be the glory. And this morning, we're still in the wilderness. <laughs> running the race. Paul talks about running the race in Corinthians. Run the race is difficult, but God has equipped us for every good work. To run, we must take action. We must run to win. We must take aim. We must stay on course. We must be disciplined, persistent, and press on. We must run for the reward. 1 Corinthians 9.25 They then do run to receive a perishable wreath, but we run for an imperishable one. And Isaac Watts puts it this way in his song, and don't no, you sit down. I'm not going to sing. don't want you to leave. I'm just going to read it. As a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb, and shall I fear to his cause or blush to speak his name? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain. Supported by that word. Pastor has run the race faithfully. I count it a privilege to have been able to serve with Pastor and Anita for the last 39 years. Nine of those years were in Daniel's Bible Church Academy. 
We could not have had school without Pastor and Anita. We had some good times with the kids, and they were rewarding. Now their focus has changed, but they are still running the race. Thank you, Pastor, for all you have done. Now, with the new job, comes new stresses. And I have just the thing for you that will care for the stresses. That was easy. Don and Anita, on behalf of the Faith family and ourselves, we congratulate you on this milestone of your ministry. When we came to Faith in 1986, you were among the very first to open your arms and your hearts to us. We love you and we appreciate your camaraderie and friendship. We pray God's richest blessings upon you as you embark upon your next phase of ministry and upon Pastor Carl, his family, and the Daniels Bible Church family as you embrace the future by faith. Mary and I look forward to a hot dog at the Dairy Queen at Hinton. God bless you. Good morning. You know, any of you could be up here at this time, but it's amazing what a $20 bill do. <laughs> the Harveys rolled in here, like Dave said, on a gravel parking lot in 1989. Joanna was nine, and Joshua was almost six, and Andy was going on two. We realized we had to come at least once because as we opened the doors that little Honda, Josh popped out right in the front doors. So I don't know who he was talking to or whatever, but he beat us in here. So we were looking for a church family, a church where the integrity of the scriptures would be sound doctrinally, truth would be there. We wanted it consistently all the time. We wanted it for our children because we had left a church that lacked in that area in some, some ways. So we came here that Sunday, and we never looked any further. We found exactly what we wanted. It really didn't matter about the people because we knew they were as rotten as we were and we would need daily doses of uh, God's mercy and grace. Uh, it has been really special to serve here all these years. Uh, Joanna and her husband uh, Clifton are raising their three sons here and Joshua and his wife Kristen are raising their daughter and son here by their choice. They do not come here because Dad says that they should. They come here because they want to. Uh, you know, it takes a unique husband and wife to be pastor and pastor's wife, and we've, got, we've had that. Uh, several years ago, I don't know if it was a Wednesday or Sunday, but I was inside the foyer, and Don came through the one set of doors, and I've had an affectionate nickname for him, like I do most people, but I always call him Chief. Um, I said, hey, Chief, and, and Anita came through the other set of doors right at the same time and didn't miss a beat, said, hey, Chief, you forgot your Bible. And uh, Don gave me one of his classic looks. 
you know. And they have served well here. Uh, it's been special. It's just been a joy. Andy is uh, in San Antonio, Texas, and he told me that he emailed Don. Did you get the email, Don? He didn't get the email. Well, he'll have to search that out, but it's, he sent him an email. He said, Dad, I just told him that he was a friend, a brother, a mentor, and my pastor. And I can say the same thing. Y'all didn't know I was going to do this. <laughs> didn't plan to. We have enjoyed serving, and we will enjoy serving further. Paul, you have him for a certain length of time, and that is all. You can't take him all the time. We expect them to be here a good bit of the time, and we're watching. Uh, but it's, it's been a joy and a privilege, and we love you both, and we'll continue to do so. Thank you. Well, when you start out on a journey, sometimes you feel like it's never going to end. And we were together for 17 years on staff, and those were 17 wonderful, fulfilling, privileged years of my life. And it was great. Pastor and I, I think, were uh, attached to the hip in many ways. We were, we were a great team, I think. Uh, I guess he was Batman and I was Robin. He was the guy that was out front. He was the teacher. He was the visionary. And I, I was the person that hopefully backed that up well and uh, allowed him to uh, lead us in ways that were profitable in this ministry. And Wow, like I say, you think uh, it's going to go on forever and ever and it's never going to end, but life does change. But those were 17 wonderful years, and that was the 90s. I came actually in 84, attending here. Became an intern in 87, started on staff in 89, and then moved on in 2004. And now I'm back. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the 90s. The 90s were great years. They were exciting years. They were challenging years. They were fun years. They were changing years. Uh, one thing that we said here was there is a constant at Daniel's Bible Church that you can be sure of. Things are going to change. And we have introduced a lot of change and done a lot of positive things, I think, through the 90s. And that was just a privilege and an honor. But the thing I want to honor them for uh, this morning, both of you, is just um, giving yourselves so faithfully to others to us, to our family, um, to our family, family, <laughs> through the years. I appreciate that. Um, Mrs. Flager, which I guess I could call her mom, I just never have, uh, has been so faithful to this ministry. Dave talked about singing, but it's so much bigger than that. There's so much more to that. I think she's probably done about everything there is to do in this church except preach, and I'm sure she probably wrote some of the sermons for that. <laughs> At least she told me she used to do that. I assumed that she was telling me the truth. I mean, she has been in Sunday school teacher, choir, special music, ladies' conferences. She's gone in foreign countries and done children's classes and children's conferences. She's... Uh, 
been at the prison. She's done knitting classes. I mean, if you're here and you don't know how to knit, it's your own fault. And games, and uh, I think she's taken half the women to golf through here. Um, she has just given herself faithfully over and over and over and over again. So as pastor, um, I just remember, I think, a, a, just a little story that kind of portrays, I think, his heart and his life. Um, it was before Diane and I were married, and I was at their house way, way too late, uh, dating or courting or whatever we want to call it, probably past midnight. I was living at PAX at the time with a friend. I just graduated from the college and started out CNO, and uh, my light started going out, dim, 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 dimmer. And by the time I got out to the end of CNO, I was without lights, and I knew I couldn't drive to PAX. So I just sat there for a while at the Missionary Baptist parking lot thinking, what am I going to do? Well, you know, What can I do? Who can I call? Should I go to the church? Should I sleep in the church so I don't have a key? I can't do that. I ended up calling pastor. I mean, you know, at 12 o'clock, this guy gets up at 3.30 and 4 o'clock in the morning. It's not exactly like I want to call him. And uh, with a lot of fear, I gave him a call. You know, uh, I'm without lights. Can you do something? Take me home. So, yeah, just in about five minutes, he came zooming out CNO. And that was with a lot of fear. But I just remember how gracious he was and what a relief it was when he picked me up. And just seemed like that was the most exciting thing that could happen to him today is to get, to get up at 12 o'clock and take me to Vax. Home and, and I just think that is uh, characteristic of his life for, toward me and toward us and toward people who have come to this door is just pouring himself out, graciously giving himself over and over and over for 40 years. It's just, um, that's who he is. And, you know, beyond all the ministry that we've done, just the gracious spirit toward others, I think, is uh, what we honor here this morning particularly. Um, just I remember, and I'll, I'll end with this, but uh, we, we did coffee ministry. We started that up together. That was back in the days when we put a tent up beside of the road and served coffee from out there, regardless of how hot it was or how cold it was. And he would be here at 530 in the morning making coffee, and we would be setting our tent up and getting that coffee ready and putting signs up in the dead of winter. And we did that uh, one winter, and it was uh, just down zero weather. And I remember once I couldn't be there, and he called on Jess Gravely, who I don't know at that time, he must have been near his 90s, uh, to come out and help him. And Jess was very obliging. But it was very cold and very windy that day. And uh, I remember the I, I didn't, the pastor tell, was telling me what happened, but, but it, the wind just picked the tarp up, just kind of like it did here just a few days ago. And... Jess is holding on to that tent for everything he's worth, and it's lifting him up and pulling him, and pastor's yelling, hold on, Jess, hold on. But we actually had a reminisce moment about that yesterday, but, um, you know, that's just characteristic of who the pastor is and giving of his life to us throughout the years. So that's what I want to give back to my children. I want to give them 
kindness and a spirit of gentleness and a spirit of service and compassion. And I want that for myself and I want that for my children to embrace that and to live that and for us to embrace that and live that as well. And thank you for honoring us with that blessing through the years. My name is Phil Wegner. That's my married name. My maiden name is Flager. (laughs) So thank you for that, Pastor. I appreciate uh, your daughter. Um, I started coming to Daniel's Bible Church in the 90s. um, And uh, I guess it was probably maybe late 80s, early 90s. Um, But the the thing that drew me here, uh, that, that attracted me to this church, was the fact that the leadership of the church had an openness and a willingness to look at the Scriptures and let the Scriptures dictate, uh, even when it was challenging to the culture, the, uh, the Christian culture of the community. And I so wanted somebody who would, uh, I so wanted an environment where the Scriptures were adhered to with such reverence that even if, uh, even if the elders had to lock themselves in a, in a room for many, 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 many hours to figure out a philosophy on one thing that was controversial, but just let the scriptures dictate and take the culture out of it, uh, that they were willing to do that and to take a hard stand, a stand that has cost them uh, a lot uh, throughout the years. Um, and uh, that was the first thing I loved about the pastor and about Daniel's Bible Church. Throughout the, the years that I was here as a student, um, and then years I came back um, after spending some time in the military, I spent a couple years here. I appreciated what I learned about grace in this church. Uh, coming from a culture that uh, was very strong on do, I learned here, I found here, that this was about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It wasn't about a bunch of performance-oriented things that um, I had to live up to. And... Um, and I'll always remember this place, and I'll always remember the pastor for the role that he played uh, in that. Uh, during those early years of, of marriage and uh, in early adulthood, uh, the pastor was a great source of wisdom to me personally. He was probably providing wisdom mostly out of fear for his daughter, but I still appreciated it. And uh, he provided a lot of guidance to us. There are things that I uh, have replicated uh, in my parenting that I saw and, and beheld in his approach to his uh, parenting of his daughter. And even as he coached me and her in our courtship time, uh, Ken, I didn't know that you had also broken down and had to have the pastor come get you, but uh, it's, it's reassuring to know that. Um, but I have appreciated that, and, and it's really been a, uh, been a, he played a significant role in shaping uh, who I became as a man. He allowed me to minister alongside him, even though I was probably too young and too immature to do it. He uh, let me uh, participate in leading worship here and, um, and allowed me to, to, to teach in the youth ministry and, um, and just continue to groom and shape and um, to experiment and to change and to make mistakes and always, uh, always um, extended grace when those mistakes were made. He's been a person that throughout the years has always offered uh, to me uh, spiritual depth and conversation. I love coming just the other night in the dark. We were sitting having conversations about uh, theological things and uh, just challenging one another and 
and striving for truth. And that's been a that's been a very precious part of our relationship. He's always afforded a recommendation about a good book that would challenge me and that would uh, encourage and tr- cause me to grow. So, shown so much grace um, as I've wrestled through uh, truths and tried to understand and it's just allowed me the freedom to do that. Uh, and I know that probably most of you here could say those same things because I know that's just the kind of person that he's been. Um, and uh, I appreciate that he's been that to me. He often would sign birthday cards and personal notes with just a reference, Third John, verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. And uh, we do walk in the truth. Thank you. Well, following uh, family members is uh, I'm part of the family of God, so I'm right in there with you, brother. I count it a privilege to be a brother in the Lord uh, with you and to serve with you. Uh, I grew up in the community. My folks still live out on the uh, CNO Dam Road there. So as uh, growing up in the 70s when I was in high school, I didn't attend church here. Our family attended Grace Gospel, but... Uh, I remember seeing a blue Volkswagen van. Does anybody remember that blue Volkswagen van? <laughs> Daniel's Bible Church. And uh, I remember seeing a person who had white hair uh, driving that van. So it was impacted. But, but more important than that, in the, in the community, I remember hearing and seeing a change in people's lives. And a couple that just came to mind right off the bat, number one was my Uncle Kenny. He came to know the Lord here at Daniel's Bible Church, and we saw a changed life. We saw it really, it really happened. And uh, numerous others, but just a couple just hit my mind real quick. Donnie Alley and uh, Glenda, I believe was her name. And we just saw changed lives early. And in, that in, uh, was in the 70s. I was in high school and saw that, and I was uh, thankful to be a part of that. Well, Move fast forward because they put me with the young group, as you notice that. Jason and I are right next to each other. We're a few years apart in age, I think, and uh, glad to be here with that. But our family moved to Grandview in uh, in the 90s from Prosperity. We moved here, and we we were going to look for a church locally and uh, nearer here in a community. And we came to church looking one Sunday morning. And I don't know if you've ever had one of those aha moments with your wife. I hope you have. And uh, we, <laughs> we, we were sitting under the teaching that morning, and we looked at each other like, wow. And we knew, just like Dave said, there wasn't any reason to go anywhere else, and we didn't even search anywhere else. And we had really been blessed to, uh, to be under that teaching. And then a visit soon followed. You know, the pastor visits when you visit church, and he soon followed at our house, and, and uh we realized that there was a commitment to the truth because already it was like he was teaching us just when he was visiting at our home and teaching us truths. And I remember that. That was really neat. Over the years, uh, as I've been able to serve here uh, along with him as an elder, I think that's probably the place where you really see the real person is in those uh, in the crucible of serving in leadership and the challenges. And uh, I was uh, really been blessed to see him truly 
for the real person that he is. And I'm very thankful for the example and to see him under pressure. And numerous times, and Phil, you alluded to this, and he still does it. He would say, uh, I don't know if it's the exact quote, but he would say, let's see what Scripture teaches about this. And how many times have we spent time in elders' meetings just studying through the Scripture to find out about a specific topic, about something that we were wrestling with here at the church or something like that. And we're just searching for truth, and he has taught us to do that, and that is really something that's really uh, been very valuable to me and uh, had taught our family. Um, when I do job interviews, I have specific questions. And one of the questions I ask people, if the references on your sheet could describe you, how would they describe you? And uh, I've written down some statements that I believe that describe uh, Don Flager. And I don't have any for Anita because I don't know Anita that well, but I'm sorry. But uh, thank you for your ministry with this. I, I could probably, some others could do some of that and do so in the video. I think that will be a blessing to them later on. Driven by truth of the scriptures rather than tradition, I think is one of the things that describes him. I'm not going to go into details about these. I'll just read them. And all many of you can identify with these. Not influenced by popular opinion, popular opinion, but does what he believes is right according to scripture. I believe he's a teacher that is teachable. I believe he's steadfast and secure in the sovereignty of God. He lives what he believes in real life. Just recently, uh, a business acquaintance has just been in the last couple of weeks. Something said about, uh, about church, asked if I still go to church here and all stuff like that. And I said, yes. And, and the fellow says, you know what? I have the greatest admiration for that uh, pastor. He said, he really, believe, he really does lives what he believes. And what a great testimony. Thank you for that testimony and example that uh, God has allowed you to have with us. He's passionate in word and deed about making disciples of Christ. His leadership style is exemplified by humility and self-sacrifice, denial. I remember at uh, elders' retreats, and these are simple little things, but he would always choose to take the worst bed, even if it was a cot, and you would try to disagree with him, but he would do that. So that was uh, really interesting just to see that act of humility. Always willing to give somebody a ride home. Always willing to do those things. Uh, I think he lives the statement to know Christ and make him known. I believe he's passionate about knowing scripture and uh, the consistency of it impacting our every thought. And uh, I believe he is still a constant student of the Scripture, always searching for truth. And I think those things uh, really impact our lives as God has worked in his life. And thank you for that impact that you continue to make in our lives and what you've taught us and how you have encouraged us to really hunger for God. I'm the sappy one, so I don't know if I'll make it through this, but uh, I was just thinking, I was talking with Angela just in the past few months about just Pastor Flager and uh, just how easy it is to take for granted the interaction that we've had over the years. Because you guys don't see this day to day, but even though we, you know, we're both employed here by the church, 
we're kind of off running in our different directions and you know we touch base usually once a week during our meeting and um but you know oftentimes it's just kind of in passing and you get so busy that you you really don't take the time to stop and think about how much you really appreciate this person over the years and what he's really meant to you um just some of the things that have really stood out to me over the years by way of appreciation is is LT. Um, you guys, most of you know, I'm, I don't have a Bible college degree. When I was, uh, you know, I, I applied for the position here of youth pastor, it was, the, the, the deal was, you know, you have to go through LT and you have to finish that program. Uh, and so, you know, I committed to that and everything that I know and have learned about the scriptures, or at least the majority of it has come from that leadership training program that Pastor Flager led. And, you know, oftentimes I know there's been other people helping to lead that over the years, but he did a lot of it himself on top of a lot of the other things. So I I appreciate the training that I got through leadership training and through Pastor Flager's teaching, um, but also appreciate the hard work that he put into that and into, you know, preaching here on Sunday morning and all the things that it, uh, it, just lots of sacrifice. You see lots of sacrifice. You see lots of faithfulness in what he does and what he has done over the years. And even, you know, speaking, I'll say something about Anita as far as LT goes. If you don't take LT for the training, take it for the fun because Anita Flager made LT fun. I, we laughed so much. I just enjoyed that. Um, there's a there's a group of women that were in that at the, at the time that I was in there, and we just had a blast just laughing and carrying on. And, uh, you know, Dawn's the one trying to bring it back, and Nita's taking it off to... Yeah. So, but it was it was fun. And that's, that's the way learning and, and I think the training should be. It should, you know, it should tra- transform our minds and our hearts, but we should also enjoy doing it. And, and Anita helped me enjoy it. Not that it was boring. I, I enjoyed that, that too, the training and the, the learning. But um, also just, you know, advice. We, you know, we've met often just the, the two of us throughout the past six years that I've been on staff here. And, you know, he's, he's given lots of advice over that time and um, lots of advice that I've taken home, as, you know, Phil said, and I've implemented things into my own home and the way that I lead my wife and lead my children. Another thing is the downtime. Um, the, you know, we go to a conference usually every year, and that has just been some of the most refreshing and fun times, not to focus on the work and uh, just, just to kind of be people, I guess, normal people, and just kind of living life together. And um, it's just fun to sit down and have a meal and laugh and, and, uh, and just enjoy each other's company. And, and even at the... Um, the elders advance that we would do that that was a lot of work but it was also just a time to just kind of kick back and enjoy one another in a way that we're not really able to do that throughout the throughout the normal work week um, but those are just some little things the two really big things that have that I, I you know just this particular event didn't conjure up this is something that I'm constantly thinking about um, the first being conversations that I've shared with Dawn about hurts and struggles and difficulties and uh, just life, you know, things that we all have, 
Uh, ours is, you know, yours may be centered around job and family. Ours is the same thing, job and family, and just being able to sit and talk about those things. But it wasn't just the talking about it. It was he would constantly remind me that even in the midst of the struggle and the hurt, that we would not rather do anything else than be serving within the church and serving people and serving the Lord in this way. So just a, a constant reminder that even when things hurt, it's, it's worth it. Um, and then the, the last thing, and he probably does not remember this, but I think about this often. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Eleven years ago, when I came to Daniels, um, Angela and I met on a blind date. She was coming to church here. She wasn't saved. Um... She mentioned coming to church. I asked if I could go with her. I was struggling with a lot of things. I was going through a divorce. I was into drugs and alcohol um, and just really trying to figure out life, wanting a, you know, a family, wanting, you know, that home with the white picket fence, just everything ideal that you would want in a family, kids and a good job and career and all those things. And as I was talking to Angela one day, she said, you know, you should go talk to Pastor Flager. And she said, you know, I've talked with him. And she said, don't expect anything. Uh, You know, don't expect that you're going to hear what you want to hear. Just go and just tell him what's on your heart and listen. And I don't remember a lot of that conversation but him giving me that scripture, Ephesians 3.20. And I have carried that because knowing who I was and knowing what God has done in my life, I just wanted a simple life, a simple family, um, good job, but God did far more than that. I mean, I, you know, He used me in ministry, and it was just, you know, it was Pastor Flager that um, really just through that simple verse showed me that, you know, Christ is able to do more than we could think or imagine. And I just I really appreciate you um, just using that encounter to point me to Christ, and it's just driven me over the years. So thank you. Thank you both for your ministry. I think I'm last on the list, so I'll, I'll try to be brief. Um, Marie and I came here uh, in 2002, and unlike some of the other people that have been up here, um, I didn't like it very much. I didn't like this church, and I wasn't going to stay here, uh, and I wasn't going to come back. But Don wouldn't let that happen. He, just, he kept calling me and saying, you know, we need to go to lunch. Can you come over to the house for dinner? And... and uh, so I spent, you know, I would go over there, and Marie and I would go to lunch with Don and uh, come over, and we would have uh, meals uh, with them at, at his house. And then he kind of, you know, gradually eased me into saying, well, you know, you need to come to this Tuesday night men's group. And so I started doing that. And just slowly but surely, uh, he began to work in my life, really. Um, he was just kind of a, of a constant that was kind of always there, uh, but 
wasn't really pushy, but would kind of not take no for an answer, <laughs> if you know how that goes. Um, we did that, and then LT, um, you know, I was, he was uh, instrumental in kind of getting me to kind of sign up and take that. I didn't really want to do that either, and he kind of uh, talked me into doing that. So to make a long story short, um, you know, a wise man once said that the will of God shapes all men, but Don Flager was really the catalyst that uh, kind of made me uh, into the man that I am today. And that's really all I have to say. Amazing what God does, and Nate and I both want to just say thank you for your kindness and your thoughts. It is an encouragement. Just a little side note to Paul, as much as he didn't want to do anything, guess who's teaching LT this fall? Paul Bailey. <laughs> and uh, appreciate his giftness as well as the rest of you. Well, it is my joy to introduce our speaker. And uh, Paul and I have known each other probably for 35 years. It's been a great journey. I have learned so much from him. And uh, I was going to read Ephesians 3.20, but uh, Jason beat me to the punch, uh, so I'll leave it as it is. But uh, I believe that verse, obviously, with all of my heart. And uh, after 40 years, it is true, it is true, it is true. And I'm so thankful, and Nina and I both are so thankful to God that he would continue our journey uh, with biblical ministries worldwide. Paul is a general director of biblical ministries worldwide. He's a missionary for 17 years in uh, South Africa and planted churches, and they still go on to this very hour. Uh, in fact, the catalyst for leadership training came out of his institute for training, in South Africa, which uh, still goes on today as well. Paul, it's, uh, it's a joy to come back to work with you, and uh, thank you for coming, and uh, we await your challenge to God's Word. God bless. Well, as long as I've known Daniel's Bible Church, missions has been in your DNA, and probably to a major extent because of Don's heart for missions and for his passion for seeing the gospel taken around the world. Not only have you sent probably hundreds of thousands of dollars to the mission fields of the world through support, through organizations like ours, but uh, you also released Don to serve on the board of directors for our organization back when it was called WEF Ministries. And then uh, you allowed him to serve as an area director for Europe when, when we needed some leadership uh, help in BMW as he pastored full-time here. He also you released him for some time to help us with some projects in Europe, and we're deeply grateful to you as a congregation for allowing him to do that. And then as uh, we sort of faced, Don faced the issue of, of transitioning out of the pastorate here, the timing was just excellent. Obviously, God-driven as we had some leadership needs for South America that uh, he was released of some responsibilities here, and so we snatched him up. Well, the reality is we really wanted Anita, but we knew we had to take Don because <laughs> we, we really need Anita down there uh, helping in South America. But Don will come along to be the figurehead. And uh, it's so great to have them back on the team now. 
and especially at this phase of their life where we could justify them finding a rocking chair and just sort of kicking back and relaxing, uh, they're taking on a whole new resp- era of responsibility. Uh, I didn't tell them before they had to learn Spanish, but in order to minister down in South America, you got to, so they're going to be in language study. You didn't know that, did you? Uh, trying to get Spanish. Uh, they're going to be shepherding pa- uh, missionaries down there. And, you know, as we try to support missionaries and help them, this is a vital, vital part. And, and I think I, I can think of no better shepherd to shepherds than Don and Anita as they shepherd our mission family down there. You got them for 40 years. We're going to keep them for 40 years. And then, uh, like Moses, you'll be ready for ministry after that. Uh, that'll be great. So we're really looking forward to uh, getting to work back again together. In fact, this week, they'll be down in Atlanta. We're going to start the process right away. And uh, as they work with our other area directors and other leadership team this week, down in Atlanta, we have a meeting once a year where everybody comes into the office, so they'll be involved in that. Then we've got two weeks of candidate orientation where we take in new uh, candidates, and, and things are going very well. In spite of missions sort of being in a downward trend here in North America, uh, we're having the biggest candidate orientation we've had in a couple of decades. And so people, churches like this one are still sending missionaries to the field. And so we are just in a happy place of seeing God provide in so many different ways. And, of course, Don and Anita are part of that provision for our mission, mission family. We thank you for your generosity to make that possible. I realize the hour is late, and I'd want to draw your attention to just one verse this morning. And so we're going to do that. And I'm not going to speak very long because you've already been here for quite some time. But the, past, the, the verse I want to take you to is John 14. My parents were missionaries in Nigeria when I was four months old. They went back. I was born here on a furlough, and when, I went back, when they went back for that next term on the field, I was four months old. We went into a very remote area of northeast Nigeria where, of course, there was no schools. There was, uh, it was totally uncivilized. I was the only white kid for miles and miles around. And so part of, our, part of the way we did missions back then was that uh, we went to boarding school. And from the age of seven, first grade, our parents sent us off to boarding school, and it was about a day's journey away from the mission station, so it meant that during the school year, we were away from our parents. And uh, they were back on the mission station, we were at the boarding school. And I realized that today we don't do it that way, and we've got homeschooling and a lot of other things, and you might think that really was, was, was uncivilized for my parents to be doing that, but that was missions back then. That was just the way it was. Well, on that boarding school campus where we lived with a bunch of other missionary kids, a whole bunch of us would come, and uh, once you got past the first couple of days of, of homesickness, you sort of got on with it and, and life, and, and that was, at the boarding school was great. We had a, all of our friends there and a lot of activities. Well, one of the things we didn't like about boarding school was that they always, this is Africa now, we always had to have a siesta in the afternoon, uh, a rest hour they called it. And I'm convinced that we didn't need the rest hour. The dorm parents wanted the rest hour just to keep us calm and get, the, get us out of their hair for, for a while. But we would have to have this rest hour. And on the weekends, on Saturday and Sunday when there was no school, that rest hour was literally an hour. It seemed to us like 10 hours. It just went on forever. The last thing we wanted was rest. We wanted to go out and play, but we were forced to, after lunch, uh, go and take this rest hour. Well, Sunday afternoons was really special to us because we would go out on hikes after rest hour. And, of course, we had all this pent-up energy, and, 
And so they would take us, and we weren't allowed to go off campus. This is Africa, remember, so you can't just have you know, several hundred kids wandering all over the African bushveld. Uh, we had to stay on campus, but Sunday afternoon we got to travel off campus, and we would hike to various places around that campus. And one of our favorite places was a place that we called the Swinging Bridge. Across this big chasm, someone had built a bridge, a swinging bridge. It was just cables that went across with some planks on it, and literally it swung, swang. It did this, whatever the right word is for that. And, of course, the great fun was to get out there in the middle and hop up and down on this and make this thing bounce and scare the younger kids that come along with us. And it was great fun. Way down below there, of course, was these rapids that were raging below us, and and somebody had come along and built that bridge. And after we'd played on that bridge for a while, we went over, and, and our dorm parent, Uncle John, was sitting there, and we sat down. I still remember sitting down beside him, and as we got a little bit pensive, we started thinking, we said, Uncle John, who built this bridge? And he started telling us. I said, well, well, how did they do that? Because it's a long ways from here to there, and there's raging rapids down there in the bottom, and, and the, the, the sides of the, were pretty steep. We said, how in the world did they do that? And so he described to us the process how one person had to take a rope across, tied around his waist, and, and, and navigate, climb down the side, and, and then actually had to swim across these raging rapids and climb up the other side and pull that rope across. Then they pulled a, a larger cable. You know the, you know, you know the story pulled a larger cable and a larger cable until finally they could get all these cables across there and finally build the bridge. Well, it happened because somebody, first of all, went down and crossed that river and put his life in danger to pull across that first rope. Now, hold that imagery for just a moment. I want to return to this as we think through this idea that I want to throw out to you here this morning. Jesus said... As he's getting ready to go back to heaven. This is that passage, remember, where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back and receive you to myself that where I am there. He's, he's getting ready to leave his disciples, and of course they're getting nervous now, and they're getting antsy about this thing that, that, that they're no longer going to have Jesus with them. And it's in that context, in that setting, that Jesus makes this incredible statement. It's just amazing. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, I'm in verse 12, John chapter 14, the works that I do shall he do also. And here's the amazing part of this. And greater works than these shall he do. Now keep in mind, this is Jesus. This is creator God of the universe saying, I'm going to go back to heaven, but hold on, guys. You're going to do greater things than I did. Now, there's a basic principle here at play that is borne out throughout Scripture. And that is the person that goes first actually sets things up for the people that follow so they can do bigger and better things than what the first person did. The guy that took that first rope across, nothing was too impressive about that rope dangling across there, but a bridge eventually emerged from that. And the rest of us went and played, not even thinking about that guy that put his life in danger as he stretched that first rope across that chasm. But that is a basic principle that is found throughout Scripture. It certainly happened with Jesus because his ministry was pretty much localized, just within a few miles. He didn't travel that far, but his disciples scattered throughout the planet. And those apostles went as missionaries all over the place. They, Jesus saw a few hundred people became followers of his. His disciples saw thousands, tens of thousands become followers of Jesus. 
The church at Rome, it says in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 8, your faith is spoken out throughout the whole world. And the people in Rome, their reputation and their impact for the gospel had literally covered the planet. And it's quite amazing to think that Jesus would say, I pulled the rope across, now we're going to build a bridge. You guys are going to do things for And so for us, it was really easy to get across that chasm. For the guy that pulled that rope across, the first rope across, he put his life in danger. And those that pulled the cables across, they stressed with that. And today we walk across that chasm with ease because of those that have gone before us. This is illustrated in Scripture over and over again. We know Barnabas and Paul... For 14 years, Barnabas mentored the Apostle Paul. And then they head off in Acts chapter 13 to their first missionary journey as Barnabas and Paul, but by the end of that missionary journey, it's no longer Barnabas and Paul, it's Paul and Barnabas. On the second missionary journey, they go in two different directions, and Barnabas just sort of fades off the scene. We don't know anything more about him. And the rest of the book of Acts, and the majority of the rest of the New Testament, is all the Apostle Paul, and we sort of forget about Barnabas. Barnabas was the guy that pulled the rope across first and got this whole thing going, but he sort of got off the scene, and now Paul dominates, and Paul did far greater things than Barnabas ever did. The same principle is illustrated with Moses and Joshua. Moses did some rather incredible things. He got them out of Egypt, but it was Joshua, his disciple, the guy that followed Moses, that actually got them into the land. And we applaud Joshua for having gotten them into the land, but it was really Moses that pulled that rope across the first chasm and set things up so that Joshua could do what he did. The same thing, same principle is found with Elijah and Elisha. We know of Elijah, but actually Elisha did greater works. Elisha did greater works than Elijah, his, his mentor. We know that Elijah performed at least seven miracles. Elisha performed 11. And he got a double portion of the Spirit of God upon his life and his ministry. And so Elijah sort of pulled that rope across, but it was Elisha that really made things to blossom. What's the principle here? It is simply this. As people like your pastor, Pastor Don, moves on, Let's not forget the fact that he pulled a rope across and made things possible for you to have ministry somewhat with ease today because he paid the price. And the greatest compliment that you can pay to Pastor Fleger as he moves on to other ministry, the greatest compliment is that greater things will happen in Daniel's Bible Church than before. In fact, if they don't, he's going to feel like a failure. You see, this is part of what missions and ministry is about. It's not about us. It's not about me and my ministry. It's how can we set things up so that the next people following, the next generation, the next group can actually do greater things. And that's exactly what Jesus was illustrating here in this passage of Scripture as he talked to his disciples and says, you guys are going to do greater things. Why? Because they were better than Jesus? No. But because he had teed the ball up, he had pulled that rope across, he had set things up for success. You've probably seen the, uh, you've probably seen the, 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 the in Spain where they, they build these human pyramids. And a group of guys 
big strong guys will get and they'll lock arms and they'll sort of form this circle. Then guys will stand on their shoulders. Then guys will climb up and stand on their shoulders. And soon you've got a tower as high as the ceiling up here. And finally at the very top, a little kid scrambles up on the backs of everybody and he stands up there on the top. And you've seen the little kid, he does what? Ta-da, look at me. And oftentimes we're that way. We're the little kid on top say, da-da, look at me. And we forget the fact that we're standing on the shoulders of many people that are down below us. And the ministry that takes place in Daniel's Bible Church in the years to come, may I encourage you never to forget the shoulders that you stand on. And many of the things that have not been told in stories today, the sacrifices that Fleggers have made in order for this church to be where it is right now, may not ever find the, find the light of day and may not be spoken of as we, as we thank them for their ministry. But, but don't forget that you stand on their shoulders now and that greater things can happen in the days ahead and the best years of Daniel's Bible Church should still be ahead of you. This is not the end of the era. This is the starting point of other ministry because they've allowed you to enjoy the fruit of pulling that first rope across. And this is the way ministry happens. As missionaries in particular, we're very aware of this. We go to the field and we start churches, and they, you know, by the time they sort of get to be respectable and get to be a little bit larger, it's time for us to move on. And for those of us in missions, we count our success not by what, what things look like while we're there. We count success by what things happen after we're off the scene. And so I can assure you that Don will be looking over his shoulder in the years to come to see what's happening at Daniel's Bible Church. Why? Because he's pulled some of those cables across the chasm. He's teed some things up. But the best years of Daniel's Bible Church are still ahead. And that's not a slam to him. It is a credit to him that he set the foundation or created this base on which you can now stand. And the bridge is there. And you can freely walk across it. But it's really easy for us as we're walking across to forget those that have gone before to create the environment in which we can now live and minister. I spend a lot of my time on airplanes. Rarely do I ever think about the Wright brothers. All I do is complain about how narrow the seats are and how much they've crowded the seat in front of me back and how lousy the food is, but I forget about the Wright brothers. But it's because the Wright brothers got on a spindly little wooden thing with some cloth on it and to put their lives in danger that I can now get on this thing and within a few hours be almost anywhere on planet Earth. But it was the Wright brothers that pulled that first rope across aviation, the chasm of aviation and made it possible for it. That's what we're talking about here. And so as we celebrate the life and ministry of, uh, of the Fleggers here for the past 40 years, I hope that you see it within that context and within that perspective, that this is, this is another cable that Pastor Carl's going to pull across. Because Don pulled one cable across, he's going to pull the next one, and ministry is going to continue to accelerate and expand, and you ought to visualize and look forward to the best days that Daniel's Bible Church has ever had because the bridge is now there. Someone put it this way. An old man going down a lone highway came at evening, cold and gray, to a chasm vast and deep and wide, through which was flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in twilight dim, 
The sullen stream had no fears for him, but he turned, went safe on the other side, and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, said fellow pilgrim near, you're wasting your strength with building here. Your journey will end with the ending day. You never again must pass this way. You have crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build you a bridge at eventide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path that I have come, he said, there followeth after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that hasn't been not for me, to that fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building the bridge for him. Each of us has that responsibility somewhere in the bridge building process to either pull the rope across or the cable across or to enjoy the bridge that those have laid for us. And so as we rejoice in what God has done through the Fleggers ministry here in this church over the 40 years, they have left you a bridge. I hope now that Daniel's Bible Church will accelerate, go further, faster, and do greater things that is the spirit in which our Lord and Master Jesus set the stage for us to think about ministry. And as you move into a new phase of ministry right now, I hope you do so with great expectation. And if Don were able to stand up here and talk about this very same topic, I'm sure that he would reiterate that the best thing that he would ever like to see is for Daniel's Bible Church to do greater things than was ever accomplished in the past. That is success. Father, I do pray for Daniel's Bible Church that you would continue to accelerate and expand the ministry that has taken place here over this past 40 years and that the bridges of ministry that have been built would be super highways of opportunity and ministry for the days ahead. And that, Lord, in the coming days we'd be able to see even greater things happening through the ministry of this congregation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I only came in a couple years ago when Eric Tucker invited me to come visit Daniels over here. But I just want to say ditto to every testimony that has been shared up here. Pastor Flager is one of the very first people who I was introduced to when I first came here as a visitor. And I thought he was awesome. And then I uh, got to work with Mrs. Flager, heard her uh, sense of humor. I was like, well, she's just as awesome as her husband. So, but we're going to, I'm going to ask you guys to stand and we're going to go ahead and close us in a song. Um, this is a song, All to Us, that really speaks of uh, the Flagers' past ministry here as well as uh, hope for the uh, future ministries that they will have down uh, wherever they're going to be at. And the line that I, I especially was keeping in mind was the chorus that says, Let the glory of your name be the passion of the church. Let the righteousness of God be a holy flame that burns. Let the saving love of Christ be the measure of our lives. We believe that you're all to us. Pastor and Mrs. Flager, I just hope that this will be, this will be something that you'll keep in mind as you go on to, the, to your ministries. And I just pray that for us, that we will continue to keep this in mind as we uh, look to see what God has for Daniels in the future.
I know no better way to close this portion of our service than to bring our elders down. I'm going to ask our elders to come forward. And I would like to, now this is 40 years after he has been commissioned into the ministry, we're going to now as a church, and he's already been spent, the Holy Spirit has spoken, he is, he is on his way out. The church needs to come alongside and commission him. And we, I would like for Pastor and Anita to come down. We would like to pray for you. So I'm going to ask the elders to come come and let's uh, lay hands on them as they enter this new phase of their ministry. And I'm going to ask uh, Paul Sager. Now, we're going to try not to hold it against him that he is taking our pastor from us. But, but that's what's happening here. You recognize that, don't you? I'm going to, is your mic still on? You, you can use this one. That's fine. And I'm going to ask you to pray. And we're just going to lay hands on and commission this young couple into the ministry. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning so amazed at your grace in our lives, illustrated through Donna and Anita to us. I pray now that as they enter this new phase of ministry that you would give them the physical stamina, give them the spiritual strength, and may these be great days of leveraging 40 years of pastoral ministry into the lives of missionaries in Central and South America. I pray, Lord, that that as they move forward from this point into this new area of ministry, that these would be great days both for them and the recipients of their, of their ministry. Thank you, Lord, for this church and the congregation of Daniel's Bible Church and their heart for you, first of all, but then also their heart for the world. And as they send the Fleggers into this new ministry, we just pray that you would bless them here for their vision and for their willingness to apply themselves in this area of ministry as well. Thank you, Lord, for Daniel's Bible Church, and thank you for the Fleggers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I do thank you, Don and Anita Flager, for your 40 years of ministry. And make sure you say hi to these folks before they leave. They're going to be gone for a month, maybe two. And uh, so make sure you see them before they leave. They will be leaving on Wednesday. And uh, they, we do have opportunity for you to say uh, something into the camera for them before you go. So you're dismissed. <laughs>